Almost a month ago now, <clears throat> scores of us gathered under those ancient oak trees at, Ge- at Eden Garden State Park on a chilly but perfect Tuesday morning to remember the life of Hilda McDonald. I sang a couple of her favorite songs. There was a steady and eager line of people ready to share a memory of Hilda. Phyllis McGill sang a most perfect solo that, that captured Hilda perfectly. We had a wonderful meal in the aftermath, and everyone there had a sense that it was just about as perfect of a memorial service as anyone could have, as it should have been. Hilda wasn't perfect, but she lived as remarkable and as influential a life as anyone ever will. Almost 20 years ago, my maternal grandmother died. She was roughly the age of Hilda at her passing, mid-90s. And the two of them reminded me so much of each other, which is the highest compliment that I can offer as my grandmother was the single greatest human being I've ever known. And when my uncle, her son, stood up over her casket to speak at her funeral, he said this, because I'll never forget it. He said, Artie Bearden had two sons that were preachers, pastors. She has three grandsons and a son-in-law that are pastors. She has two nephews that are pastors. But the greatest preacher in this family is laying here in this box. Sort of how I felt about Hilda. Her life was much like the woman in an old Reformation tale who lived in this little European village. And she wanted nothing more than to translate the Bible into the language of her people. Breaking it free from the Hebrew and the Greek and the Latin, so that regular folks could read the scriptures for themselves. So she saved all of her money to this end, year after painstaking year. And just as she had enough money for her project to hire a translator and to rent a printing press, the plague struck her village. All these decades she had been saving this money to translate the Bible, but she took that money and she gave it to the village. And she bought medicine and she hired doctors and she cared for those left behind. When the plague passed, she started all over. Saving money, saving money so that she could print a copy of the Bible for her village. And again, just as, just as she had enough money to hire a translator and to rent the printing press, a massive flood swept through that valley, nearly washed the entire town away. And again, she took her Bible money And she poured it out on the town, taking care of the injured, helping those left behind. And she died, not fulfilling her dream that she regarded as her life's work. But at her memorial, the villagers gathered around and came to a common conclusion. She had attempted to translate the Bible twice and had failed. But her third attempt, the very life she had lived before them, was the most magnificent translation of all. And that's how Hilda lived her life. She lived truth. She didn't simply read it. She practiced the gospel. She didn't have to preach it. She translated scripture into action. What she believed became the story of her life. And that story weaved its way into our own And we have been changed by it, bettered by it, and converted by it. 
Hilda's daughter, Serena, and Hilda's, Hilda's other girls, Jane and Annette. And I'm sure if Kara had not died suddenly a couple of years ago, she would have said the same thing. They all picked the same scripture text to summarize their mother, and it was read at her memorial. It was the one you heard read this morning. Philippians 4, 6-9. through 9. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. And there it is. That's exactly how Hilda lived. She didn't worry about anything. She prayed. She knew God's peace because that was what she pursued. I've got a picture of Hilda. Can we get that up there? Thank you. Taken by Lynn Crow. I think I saw Lynn come in today. She fixed her thoughts on everything that was true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. She intentionally thought about things that were excellent and worthy of praise. And the invitation is given to us from her as if Paul were giving it to us as he gave it to the Philippians. Put into practice all you learned and received from me. And the God of peace will be with you. What does Hilda have to do with all of this? Well, this is the fourth Sunday and final Sunday of Advent. And the fourth and final Sunday of Advent is always the topic of peace. Hope, joy, love, joy, and peace. Peace on earth, well, not so much. I've tackled that subject on this Sunday in the past, macro peace big peace. I still believe peace is possible for the world, but my ambitions are much smaller this year, and I want to take direct aim at micro-peace, individual peace, peace for you, peace in your relationships, in your family, within your inner person. Using this text from Philippians, of course, I'm going to ask one simple question today. WWHD, what would Hilda do? She had it, after all. Peace of mind, peace in her heart, peace in the storm, peace in the valley, peace on the mountaintop, peace in that tiny little home alongside Peach Creek. So maybe we can learn from the Hilda McDonald translation of Philippians 4 today. I'll share a few words from Hilda's service. These are Hilda's words, not mine. I joked at her service that I only have a fourfold skill set. With my life. I can tell you a story. I can sing you a song. I'm a bad man with a crock pot. And I can give a good eulogy. That's all. If it doesn't fall into one of those things, I probably can't do it. Probably can't make a living any other way. Tell you a story, sing you a song, make you something great in the crock pot. And I can give a great eulogy. Go ahead and get on my calendar if you want to. 
Please don't. I've had enough. But on the day that I stood there to memorialize Hilda, I said, three of these skills are still in place, but that eulogy one cannot be used today. I'm overmatched. I can't eulogize this woman. There are those unique people that we meet, those extraordinary people, and they're few that go beyond our words, our ability to speak, to describe, because she lived in such a way that she said it with her life already. So I used her words instead of mine. These are excerpts that she cataloged herself. She kept these and passed them along to be shared at the end of her life. She gave some of these to her daughters. She gave some of them to me. They will fall on your ears, I think, sounding almost like Scripture with all the kindness of her precious heart. And you will hear them erupting, I think, from that jolly face and grin of hers, usually with a beret bouncing on top of her head, pigtails on the side. Inspired by Sally Williams, Hilda says this, I've learned that you cannot make someone love you. All you can do is be someone who can be loved. The rest is up to them. I've learned that no matter how much I care, some people just don't care back. I've learned that it takes years to build up trust, seconds to destroy it. I've learned that it's not what you have in your life that counts, but who you have in your life. I've learned that my best friend and I can do anything or nothing and still have the best time. I've learned that you should always leave loved ones with a loving word. It may be the last time you see them. I've learned that sometimes when I'm angry, I have the right to be angry, but that never gives me the right to be cruel. And then scribbled on a piece of picked up stationery, the footer on the stationery said, love covers all sins. She writes this. I should probably entitle this Hilda's letter to the Santa Rosian. It isn't easy to stay positive while the chaotic troubles of the world surround us. As a person who has lived for a long, long time, it is up to me to choose my lifestyle and my activities. This includes avoiding the impacts of social media, headlines, becoming too involved in the lives of others through that thing called Facebook, consequently losing my peace. So I become involved only when I can be helpful with my resources and my encouragement. Oh, I love this. Living at the end of a dirt road, away from the wildness of people, transportation, noises, and haste, surrounded by the comforts of nature, this is a precious gift from God to me as He has led my path through these many years. Is that not what Paul just said? In his own way. And Hilda in hers. Fix your thoughts on what is true. And honorable. And right. And pure. And lovely. And admirable. Think about these things. That are excellent. And worthy. Of praise. I didn't get a chance to share this with Hilda. 
My dearest friend David Beaver sent me a cartoon this week, and apologies to those who cannot see it. But it's by Stephen Pastis, a lawyer-turned-comic-strip illustrator. What a gig. His weekly comic is called Pearls Before Swine. A line from Jesus, by the way. And Pearls has been running for more than 20 years. It's brilliant in its social commentary, in its simplicity. It's just a bunch of little cartoon animals. Rat, pig, goat, and a few others living their lives. And this is the comic I received this week. Rat is visiting his therapist, who looks remarkably a lot like Sigmund Freud. And the dialogue goes like this. Rat says, I don't know what it is, doctor, but I'm much less happy than I was 20 years ago. And the doctor says, I see. Has your health changed? No, same. Job stress? Same. Living situation? Same. Finances? Same. Diet? Same. Well, that is very mysterious. And then the line. Hey, wild guess here. But do you happen to have a communication device on you that has turned all 7 billion people on earth into full-time critics? Made us all feel inadequate and constantly exposed us to all of the world's worst news? And then Rat sits down with Pig at breakfast. I may have had a breakthrough in therapy. Amen. The invitation will now be given and the offering taken. Read that. And it's got our number. It is a breakthrough for many of us to quieten our lives. But it's how Hilda lived her life. And she lived a long life. And she lived a good life as a result. She didn't watch cable news all day. She wasn't obsessed with getting likes on her social media timeline. She never became suckered by the search algorithms that reinforce narrow, insulated points of view. She knew when to turn away from the repugnant, the offensive, and the vile things in this world. She knew she couldn't fill her heart with all that is fearful and angry, worrisome, and negative and hateful. Because if you do that, you become fearful, angry, worried, negative, and hateful. She knew that an hour here on Sunday morning and a ten minute devotion before you go to bed will not overcome 40, 60, or 80 hours of mental garbage going into your brain during the week. She and I would talk about these things. She was my teacher in this regard. I would visit her often. At birthdays, she had so many. When tragedy struck, she had a fair share. After her last terminal diagnosis was given, we visited more often than ever. And there were times when she would just beckon me for a visit and I would come running. We would talk about big weighty things. The inexplicable the wondrous, the troubles of the world, the mystery of all that is to come, we would have a scotch or two, once, three, I think. And it always ended with us laughing and me promising her that I would move right in should something ever happen to Cindy. As quick as I could, no matter what anybody else thought. I mean, I didn't deserve her. But she deserved a younger man who could tell a story and was a mean badass with a crock pot. I mean, didn't she? Hilda was not a blind optimist, some naive bohemian trusting in flower power to change the world. She had buried a husband, a daughter, 
her partner late in life, Bob. She knew tragedy. She was not an isolationist out of touch with reality. She was engaged. She was wise. She was knowledgeable. She knew the score. She knew heartache. But she still believed and still practiced the truth that, quote, the peace and love of God can enfold every soul. Ronnie, I believe this, she told me. If, she said, that's where you fix your heart. If that's what you want. The word fix means to meditate here in the text. Meditation. Oh, Lord, what is he talking about? Isn't that what the Buddhists and the Hindus and the New Agers do? Meditation is as old as the greatest wisdom traditions. It's older than American society, thank God, because American society has a hard time getting still and getting quiet. You tell some people, we're going to give you a year to stay at home, you know, like during a pandemic. And a lot of people would say, hooray, we couldn't stand it because we can't stand to be still. We can't stand to meditate. We can't stand to fix our thoughts on any. Our attention span is about that long. And it's gone. It means to meditate it. Roll it around in your mind. And the fix, the word fix here can also mean to calculate. It was a mathematical term used by the, by the Greeks. Calculate. Not two plus two. Remember your teacher would give you some algebra problem? And you have to sit with it forever? Didn't you hate that? Or, or a, word, a word problem. Weren't those the worst? Do you remember those? If Joey has six honey buns and he gives one to Sheila, how many joints did they smoke after school? I don't know. I hated those things. It required you to be quiet. It required you to focus your energy. Now, think about what would change in your very life if you focused your mind and your energy in the quietness on everything that was good and true and pure and excellent and worthy. Not the vile, the conspiracy, the hate, the questions. What things are good, true, whole that God has blessed me with in my life. What in my life is good and true and wholesome and excellent and worthy of praise? I'm going to set my mind right there. You do that for a few days and it will begin to change your life. It will bring you, and this is the kicker of all in the text, the peace of God which transcends all human understanding will then guard your heart's in your minds, in Christ Jesus. It's like Christ Himself setting up a fence around your emotions, around your mind, around all that can worry and trouble you. Not because you're, you put your head in the sand like an ostrich and you don't want to see reality. Oh, you see it. You see the truth for what it is. You know this world is full of trouble. But you also know that you can be full of peace in the midst of it if that is truly what you want. Final words from Hilda. I just had to share them. They were written to her daughters 20 years before she passed. 
When I have departed, as I will, you girls will grieve, as is the natural thing to do, but know that I have not really gone away. I'm just in another form, but you will feel my presence, because I will never, ever really leave you. We are bonded together in this incarnation, so keep your hearts light and hopeful. There will be no room for gloom. Sadness, yes, but even that will soon pass. I love you all beyond any comprehension. There is no way to phrase it. There is no way to measure it. You will feel my spirit right there with you. And my love is always yours. What would Hilda do indeed? I think we have been told.